0: Hey guys, welcome to Vol Nation's Power Tea Talk. It has been a while since we talked about Tennessee Athletics, almost a month now, but uh, we are back today, ready to get everything going. Um, after a couple of weeks of us having personal stuff as well, um, as kind of a dead period in terms of football, uh, recruiting, really nothing happened. Tennessee only picked up one guy, lost a couple. We figured it wasn't really worth doing a podcast for, uh, especially since we aren't big recruit guys anyway. But we figured Hypel now has a staff in place, and Tennessee basketball only has one regular season game left, Sunday against Florida. So we figured it would be a great time going into March to discuss uh, both those topics there. We'll talk about basketball first, not any specific games, but just in general what we have thought over the last month or so about you know, basically the downward trajectory of the basketball team. Ever since the Kansas game, it seems like it's gone downhill. And then we will go in-depth on some of the coaching hires and the positives, plus negatives we have on them. Uh, we both like the staff, but we'll, we'll go more in-depth there. Tyler, as always, thanks for join, joining me today. Um, I know we talked about it right before it came on, but how was your snowmageddon in Memphis a couple of weeks ago? <laughs>
1: yeah man happy happy to be back on the mic with you here um the snow was was insane uh, is unlike anything I've ever seen really um, you know been on vacation and stuff places with snow but the most snow we've had in like fifty years or something uh, is close to a foot in some places um so definitely got to get out and have some fun in the yard and uh, kind of watch the city shut down for for almost <laughs> a week so that was entertaining uh, just to kind of echo your thoughts you know basketball's just been such a a jackal and hide experience like i wouldn't even know how to have a podcast on it if we were doing it on a regular basis um so yeah it's it's just been really really a yo-yo uh, season for those guys and unfortunately a, a lot of wasted talent it looks like but happy to be back on the mic with you happy that uh, we're here with a, a football staff and even if we're in an unexpected place with basketball we can still work our way through it
0: you know that's a great point that you brought up. I wonder, like, you know, if we had decided to talk about them after the Kansas game where we won by 19 and the offense looked great, and Jaden and Keon were playing well, and and everyone seemed to find their role. You know, we're probably saying like, oh yeah, we got a chance at the Final Four. And then since that game, it's just gone downhill. They're four and four in their last eight. They're six and six in their last twelve. Um, they were got as high as number six the week of. When they beat Missouri, they were, I think, the number six team in the country at that time. And now it's been, you know, they're not even in the top 25, I don't believe, in the latest polls that came out today. It it just seems like, you know, for me, and I'll kind of give my thoughts real quick and then get to you, it just seems like the offense that that defenses against Tennessee have figured out what their offensive game plan is. They're going to try and run isolations for Springer. Uh, and Johnson, and then try and go into the post, uh, post to Fulkerson and Ponds when they can, and it just seems like the offense has just kind of died down. And along with that, teams are figuring them out better and better game planning against them and making adjustments.
1: Yeah, like like you said, you know, early in the season we were a top ten team, and and we we talked a little bit about basketball, and you know, we were talking about potential Final Four runs, and you know, I'm, uh, Jimmy Dykes was calling one of the games, and he was like, you know, it's Gonzaga and and Baylor and Tennessee, and then everybody else, and you know, even even just early on in the season when the the talent was was readily apparent, uh, the one thing we still talked about was that the offense could stall out, it could stagnate. Um, you know, maybe everything hasn't fit together. A lot of individually talented pieces, but the the, the just wasn't clicking, and you know, really that that's kind of manifested itself, and and you would hope it would get better as the season has gone along. But anytime that there's even a a, a a a bright spot or you know they play well for a half or a ten-minute stretch, man, it just it, it they haven't been able to string it together at all, and it's it's been frustrating to watch. You know, like you said, you know it's, it's kind of easy to to key on on what they're doing successfully uh, and take it away, and and there's no real adjustment off of that, and so it's it's you know you have a lot of guys trying to create you know, that maybe aren't creators and, and, you know, kind of up against it on the shot clock. Um, a lot of, you know, contested threes, the ones that we do take, you know, you, <clears throat> you've had Fulkerson pretty much no show, um, here down the stretch. And, you know, the, it, like I said, it's, 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 a lot of individually skilled guys and I just, I don't think they have any idea how to play together. Um, it, it's almost like, you know, Springer and, and Keon need to play, a certain way, whereas Vescovi and, and even Bailey and, and Fulkerson need to play another way. And so it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a mixed mash of, of tempo and, and talent. And, you know, uh, ultimately it, it, it falls on Barnes to, to put them in the right place and, you know, play the right way and do the things they need to do. And it, it's not getting done. Um, so it, it's definitely frustrating. Uh, it's definitely not where, I don't think anybody thought we would be, especially, you know, the way the first week of the season and, and all the hype and everything else. Um, but, yeah, man, it's it, it, it was the one thing we pointed out that, that could cause issues, but I didn't think that anybody thought it would linger the way it has.
0: And some bad losses, too, um, I think is, is kind of being the point. You know, remember that 18 team had a couple losses late in the year, but they lost to some good teams and so it was more of well they're just playing some good basket you know good competition that happens but you know in terms of what's going on with this team you know they lose to Kentucky by double digits and was blown out wasn't competitive past the 10 minute point in the first half they lost to Auburn really bad Auburn that score was closer than what the game actually was i think Auburn got it to 12 within like the final 3 minutes or so and then Tennessee got some some buckets late and then even against Vanderbilt which they won for the first thirty-five minutes of that game with Vanderbilt's without their two best players, that was a slugfest. Vanderbilt got it to four, I think, within the four-minute mark, and it was like, you know, they lost to LSU by thirteen. They beat South Carolina handily, but South Carolina was out two without two of their best players, and it's like, you know, what is going on? It it, it just seems like the offensive like slog is just really wearing on this team there's a lack of ball screens and movement on offense they don't put they don't push in transition even though they're athletic and the spacing is just absolutely horrid right now I mean I I posted in the game thread I took a picture of a Springer drive and he had Keon's back was turned Santi was set up nice Pons was within eight feet on the other side and then fulkerson his back was halfway turned at like the high post and it's like what what is this this is garbage to be quite frank like and there was like eight seconds in the shot clock too and that's what they got it's like if they don't get something within the first 10 seconds of the shot clock they're probably not going to score on that possession
1: yeah if they don't get anything quick it it turns into an ugly possession and I would honestly even even go back further than the games that you just mentioned. the the loss at Ole Miss. Oh yeah. You know, obviously, you know we got we got blown out by Florida. Um, We lost that close one to Missouri, but you know, bounced back and beat Mississippi State and then hammered Kansas. And so, you know, it was one of those like, oh, it's a little little blip on the radar, but you know, we righted the ship. But that loss at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not a bad team, but that was an egregious loss like they it's it, 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 if you told me they lost on purpose I'd, I'd believe it after watching the game it was just it, it was that bad and you know then they came out the first half of Kentucky and was just still bad um so I, I think that second half against Kentucky is kind of you know was deceptive uh because like you said it's just been a pretty pretty abysmal stretch since then South Carolina would be in the lone standout but they were down several players like you mentioned so yeah, it's it's uh, unfortunately, it's a lot of Keon in transition um, or Jaden trying to create. You know, Vescovi is, is injured. Uh, I think that's plenty apparent. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got something going on with his hip and he's played through it and his minutes are still high and whatever else. But he's not moving well. He's not playing well. Um, and so I, I think that really limits, you know, because he, he's the guy who stretches the floor and is able to create a little bit, you know, he's, he's not, his game is, doesn't rely on athleticism, but he's an offensive threat when he's healthy. Um, but you know, I think, you know, Bailey got hot for a game or two, but he's more of a catch and shoot guy. Um, it's just, yeah, man, the, the, the spacing is off and there's, there's no, it, it, unfortunately it seems like there's no real plan offensively. Um, and, and I know you like to, to bag on the motion offense, um, and I'll, I'll give you the floor to do that here in a second. But it's it's heavily reliant on people being able to create, but also on chemistry. And you've got a bunch of new pieces. Um, you know, they played half a season together here, but, you know, that, that's not really enough to kind of know everything about each other's game. But you also have guys in, in different roles, uh, whereas I assume Keon had the ball a lot in high school. Uh, Jaden's ball dominant. Vescovi is used to being ball dominant. You know, I'm sure Victor Bailey would like to be ball dominant. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, get you got Josiah, who's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none, and he's shifting to the four some. He's also been out hurt, which he's kind of a a glue to the rotation. And you know, Fulkerson's really struggling with you know his identity offensively, and so it's it's just been kind of an anything that can go wrong is going wrong. Um, and, and, you know, again, I'll give you the floor to speak to it, but it doesn't seem like any adjustments are being made.
0: Well, you got to adjust to what you have. So I think Barnes's offense can work. If he had Hunter Dickinson or, uh, Kofi Cockburn or Luke Garza, um, if he had any of those guys, like, I think the offense would be great. Um, because we saw what he did with Grant, right? But he hasn't had Grant Williams. He's not recruiting Grant Williams. His last three classes won't really have any sort of post post score unless uh, Brandon Huntley-Houtfield comes to Tennessee. But that's, you know, if he's going to reclassify or whatnot, who knows. But, you know, the offense is geared towards having a really good post score, and they don't. And instead of saying, okay, I should be running – pick and pop, pick and roll with Springer and Johnson and let them create and space the floor with Vescovi and Bailey and Josiah. Instead, they're running the same offense. And it's like, cool, Eves Ponds, 15-footer fadeaway post. Like, I like Eves. He's a good player, but that's not his game. Or Fulkerson gets double teamed in the post, and he's obviously not himself this year, which we'll talk about in a minute. So he gets double team and loses the ball, or ten seconds, and they just clear out one side for Jaden. And because Tennessee's not a great shooting team, they just you know teams just collapse, and there's no there's no consistency. Like my plan would just be like you know, and I know it's more than this, but like I would just run pick and roll with Jaden all day and spread the floor and go from there. But they don't do that, and they don't push, so they don't get easy buckets, which drives me insane because all I ever hear from Barnes is. I want to push the pace. And I'm like, then why are you 250th in tempo again this year, right? This is year six. You've never pushed the pace. Um, and it's just it's just hard. Like, you know, they only – like, the only two guys that can create a shot is Springer and Johnson, and Vescovy's hurt, so he can't right now. And the game plans are fine to start. Like, we'll, we'll put up 15, 20 points within the first 10, 12 minutes. And then it's like once the opposing coach sees it, they just adjust and the offense just bogs down. It's like watching Doc Rivers offenses. It's really infuriating and it's just everything's clogged. Nobody's moving. Nobody can get their can get a clean shot. And it's just a disaster. And they take way too many mid range shots too, but that's how the offense is designed. So nobody wins.
1: That's what I was I was gonna say before you touched on the mid range <laughs> In, in fairness, they can all create shots. They just happen to be between fifteen and eighteen feet. Yes, in our the contestant. worst shot in
0: basketball. Good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if if you look at the the heat map in the NBA of all the shots that are taken, you know, like every shot is within three feet of the front of the rim, or it's a three pointer, right? Like mm-hmm. that's you know, we've we've kind of you know math, science, you know, whatever your your subject choice is, this thing to death with the most efficient way to score. In you know Tennessee, you know I don't you, you, you don't have to go to that extreme, but you also probably shouldn't be to the extreme on the other end, right? Like you you shouldn't be bucking the trend so hard that you're just incredibly inefficient and you know all, your offense ranks low. You take bad shots. You don't push the pace. You don't get anything easy for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and granted, like you're you're more than willing to say, hey, we're we're going to be a defensive team. That's what we'll do. You know, we, we don't mind, you know, playing in the mud as as the Grizzlies coined many, many years ago now um, and and kind of fighting for everything tooth and nail. Like you don't have to blow anybody out or be an offensive juggernaut. But at the end of the day, like you got to make it easy on yourself from time to time. It's it's hard if, if you put yourself behind the eight ball. It's hard to to, you know, continually overcome that when you don't have to play that way. Um, and so it, it's frustrating. And you mentioned, you know, it being not as simple as just running ball screens with Jaden. I disagree. Like you, you can ball screen people to death. Like uh, again, the NBA, you know, college players aren't NBA players, but the NBA has proven, you know, that when all else fails, you just ball screen somebody into submission. (laughs) Um, And I I think Springer is, is more than capable of, you know, being a creator and a decision maker off of that. Um, Now you may not have the appropriate pick and pop pieces, there There's enough catch and shoot shooters on the team where that that's at least a viable offensive strategy. And you know, God forbid we just try something different anyway, because what we're doing is not working.
0: Uh, Will Warren, who's kind of a stat guy um, in posts about Tennessee basketball, great follow stats by Will, had a great article on Tuesday, this was before the Vanderbilt and Auburn games, uh, about how Tennessee, how many mid-range shots they take. Um, They put, he said, no team in the current top 100 of effective field goal percentage this year gets more than 33% of their shots from non-RIM twos, which is a full 2.3 less than Tennessee. So Tennessee's basically doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And then he said, uh, "Only six of the top fifty even crack thirty percent." Yet Tennessee is is basically shot three hundred and twenty four mid range jumpers on the year, so they're getting about you know twelve to fourteen a game from out either outside the paint and between three point line. So, and they they did this they did the same thing in in nineteen with that great team, right? But think about the mid range shots they were getting on that team. Curl screens for Bowden. Uh, easy ridden rhythm shots for Admiral and Bone. Grant was a great, a great catch and shoot guy from the mid range. Almost all of their mid range shots this year are pull ups, right? They're not in rhythm. They're pull ups late in the shot clock,
1: right? So you know the the kind of the famous Bowden shot, right? He's always yeah. coming on that curl around the free throw line, like that. That's a high percentage shot. Mm-hmm. You know he's he's got a clean look. He's straight away on the basket like that. That's a high percentage shot. You know it's it's a two right. It's a it's a little further out than you want it to be, and it's not a three, so it's not like peak efficiency. But that that's a good look. The the kind of shots that we're taking. First of all, where is that? Like we're we're not running that anymore. Um, I feel yeah, like we have guys who could knock play. that shot down. You know, Keon feels like he could do that. Victor Bailey could do that. But yeah, we're we're not taking those type of shots. We're we're taking like you said a lot of pull ups, but also um you know some some not good post positioning and and kind of backing ourselves into fadeaways, you know, like the Eaves the Pond special. You know, Fulkerson's good for a couple of those too, but we'll even post, you know, Springer or Keon from time to time. And, you know, you're you're taking mid range turnarounds. Um that, that's a lot different shot than an in rhythm off a screen, you know, pretty clean look. Um so yeah, I mean I'm 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 with you there. It's 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 not even the fact that we're taking you know, from from an analytics standpoint, we're taking bad shots. We're taking from a basketball standpoint, bad shots. Like <laughs> they're contested, off balance, fade away. You know, all those kinds of things. It, it's not like it's a good shot, no matter how many points it's
0: worth. Well, and you know, I'll just you know be honest. Going, I mean, we, since two thousand seven, and Rick Barnes has coached every year since then. In effective field goal percentage, his teams only finished top one hundred twice. Okay, since two thousand seven. So his offenses have never gotten great shots, okay? He's never been a guy who can create easy shots um, for his teams normally, but they always usually protect the ball, and they always rebound at a really high rate on the offensive end. Well, this year, Tennessee is 102nd in turnover percentage and 95th in offensive rebounding percentage. That's not bad, but when you combine that, when you're shooting, have an effective field goal percentage of 50%, which is 165th in the country – That's going to be a recipe for not a good offense, period, because you're not getting a ton of rebounds or putbacks. You're not doing a great job protecting the ball, and you're not getting good good shots and hitting them. So at that point, you look at that and you go, well, what do we do well offensively? We get to the free throw line. That's about it, but that's dwindling in SEC play, and there's still only 50." I'm sorry, they're only 64th in free throw rate, so it's not like they're getting there all the time. So now you're in a situation where what does Tennessee do well offensively, and at this point, if Jaden and Keon aren't hitting their shots, they don't do anything well offensively.
1: Yeah, so what, I'm assuming you have our free throw percentage in front of you.
0: I do. So our free throw percentage is actually it's 75%, so that's pretty good. In terms of like their free throws, um, their – free throw distribution in terms of total points it's 46 in the country so that's really solid but they're 260th and three-pointers 27 and point five percent of their points come from three-pointers so that's not really good either it almost cancels each other out because even though you're getting free throws and you're shooting them at a decent rate you're not getting three-pointers either so you're taking a bunch of two-pointers if that makes sense
1: yeah, it does. And it feels like I'm a little surprised we're shooting 75%. It feels like every free throw that we miss is the front end of a one and one, though.
0: <laughs> That's probably <laughs> um, I true. Just, yeah. I feel
1: like we've missed so many front end of one and ones at a chance to, you know, kind of change momentum or go on a little bit of run. Um, but yeah, I I um I'm surprised by that free throw percentage.
0: Yeah, and um, really the only guy that like stands out is Keon's at seventy-two percent, but he's shooting a lot better. He was at like sixty percent, and then Pons is at Pons is actually shooting seventy-eight percent, so he's been pretty good. Um, so yeah, they've they've actually other than Kamwa, they don't have a guy that normally plays that shoots under seventy. So that's you know that's a good number for them. Yeah, but again, if you if you watch this team, that's that's a that's something you can take advantage of, like being a great free throw team shooting and getting it but a partially you have to depend on the refs and then b the offense isn't creating enough to where we're getting easy shots so that way guys foul us so that's part of the problem too you can yeah you're really good shooting the free throws and you get them at a good clip but you're not getting there enough to overcompensate for the other things
1: right and the the flip side of that is if you have a a game with a bunch of whistles we're we're pretty physical defensively Mm -hmm. as well so um you know you're you're likely to put yourself in foul trouble, even you know even further mitigating your free throw advantage. Um, it, it either way, i'm I'm not gonna let you drag me into the into the barns hate, but no' I'm not, it's, I will com- do that. <laughs> it's a compelling case for, you know it, it's it 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 feels like the pieces should be able to be made to work. I agree, and we're not getting it. um, and you know, I know people always love to bring up money. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's not my money to spend. So I I don't care if you're the highest paid coach or the, you know, the least highest paid coach, but it it does feel like somebody with Rick's resume, um, should have, should have been able to, to figure it out a little quicker with this team.
0: Well, and you know, I've seen a lot of people talk about COVID and COVID affects everything different. I get that. This is a little bit different team. Um, you know, this was a seventeen and fourteen team last year. This was not a good team last year, despite I think a lot of people, because of that that big Kentucky upset, really overrated that team last year. It was not pretty. Um, so, yeah. like, this wasn't maybe maybe they were a little overhyped, but looking at the talent, even with Fulkerson's decline, the way that Springer and Johnson are not being used correctly, i th- I think it's fair to criticize where they're at. And if they were like. You know, if they started slow and then picked up and this was their record, we'd all be feeling different. Like, oh, this makes sense, right? But they haven't had any COVID issues since December. Michigan, you know, and I get it. I'm a Michigan fan, so I bring them up a lot. But, like, Michigan took three weeks off, came back and beat Wisconsin on the road. <laughs> like...
1: Yeah, I mean, no, nobody here likes Memphis, but they've been halted for three weeks twice, and they're playing their best basketball right now.
0: Exactly, right? And so, it, you know... And I'm not going to get into, like, you know, there's not been any rumors, but some people have noticed some on-court body language that isn't good. And I think that's just naturally when you struggle. I don't think that you, you can really take anything from that. But Rick does coach him hard. And I don't know, maybe Keon and Jaden, I can't believe they think this if they didn't hear what Grant had to say about Rick. But maybe they're tired of it. Maybe they're upset that the offense isn't more conducive to how they go. I don't know. But it does seem like this is a different team than – december 30th when they beat missouri by 20 at their place
1: yeah but body language is a tough thing uh, especially you know they're 19 and it's definitely not what they kind of had envisioned and mm-hmm. how this would go um but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm with you rick rick does coach them hard and that is one of those things where um if you're seeing success that that's much easier to cope with you know than if, it, if it's going the other way um it, it's it's kind of harder to buy in if, if you're not seeing the results of kind of that, that style of coaching and also that effort level. Um, yeah, go ahead.
0: And the other thing I was going to mention, I'll just – I'll kind of start here and then we can talk about the lack of player development in this program, which is crazy considering where that 19 team went. Like everyone on that 19 team got better from the previous two years. But you look at it, you have five guys that don't make an impact. Pember, Plopsic, Gaines – Anasicki and Walker. Those guys don't make an impact. You're honestly, other than Walker, that's four wasted scholarship spots, especially Anasicki. Like, I I don't know if I can blame Rick because everyone was excited to get him. That looked like a great get. But, I mean, Anasicki has just been killing this team. I mean, he's shooting 34% from two this year. Like, I mean, he he can't hit a layup at this point. Um, And he's coming back next year, he's already said. And his all his rebounding numbers are down. And you look and like Pember doesn't play Gaines. You can tell is such a they play four on five if he's on offense. Um, Walker, who knows? Like that's the whole situation is kind of weird. And Plotich, they don't even trust to get on the court because of his terrible defense. And it's like you have eight scholarship players that that you trust, and when they have a situation like Josiah Jordan James goes down for a few games. They have to play six guys, basically, because Kamwa is a 10-minute game player. And, and Fulkerson, you know, you've you t- taken Fulkerson's demise at this point, and Tennessee's really got six guys that they trust, period.
1: Right. And, and I he's tough because, you know, every, everybody was excited to get him, but it's it, it was apparent pretty early on that he was kind of over his athletic abilities mm-hmm. and – yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it was always known that Pimber and Gaines were going to be more projects. Uh, you would like to see a little bit more growth at this point because they've been on campus for a while now. But yeah, I, I think Anasiky and, and Euros are the two big holes. Like we we need something, <laughs> we we needed, I guess, at this point we're not going to get anything. But we needed something from one of them, um, and it's it's pretty disappointing that you know both of them are more detrimental than you know that you can't even play them. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's tough, you know, like you said, when you, you factor in whatever's going on with Fulkerson and if you have somebody go down, um, yeah, you get to, you get to five guys pretty quick, um, uh, which hasn't bothered Rick in the past to play, to play guys 30 mm-hmm. plus minutes. Right. Uh, but the, the problem is, is, you know, it's just, it, 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 it's tough for us to match up because of the style of the, the, the players that we have, right. We were essentially left without a big man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it just, it, yeah. it makes it hard if, if you're playing a big team or, you know, honestly our non big guys. It's not like, it's not like Victor Bailey or, or Vescovi or wowing you with athleticism. So, I mean, if you're playing a small, quick team, it's tough for us to match up. And if you're playing a, you know, a, a bigger, slower team, it's still tough for us to match up. It's, it's you know just, it, it's not ideal. I, I do think the the Vescovi injury kind of hurts a lot more than than people think.
0: Well, and I mean, you take Bailey; he was disappeared for basically a month. Also, so I mean, yeah.
1: well, he's I mean he's yeah. I, I, I'll just say not good. He he's not good defensively. So that no. just you know that uh, that hurts.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's got the highest offensive rating on the team, and he's playing more but it's not translating to wins. So that's kind of telling you, hey, his defense isn't that great either. So, and, and, you know, like I said, the Fulkerson thing, I mean, I don't know if it was just a two-month hot stretch last year or if he's just that banged up and COVID's really taken it out of him. That's all possible. Like, I totally get that. But it's pretty obvious he's nowhere near the same player. As he was last year, his rebounding is actually better this year, surprisingly enough, but all his efficiency numbers are way down. He's getting nowhere near to the free throw line, free throw attempts he was getting last year. His offensive rating was 117.4 last year. It's one ten five of five this year. It, it's just, he's just not himself. Like he's just, he's just not. And he just doesn't look like himself either.
1: Yeah. He, he definitely doesn't look like himself. I think it, it's kind of one of the chicken or the egg thing. Like he started struggling um, and, and the confidence kind of went mm-hmm. out the door and he hasn't been able to turn that around. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't, it, 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 it's Barnes and it is what it is, but I don't know that he did him any favors. You know, he he's continually, I guess he stopped at this point, but continually called him out essentially every single game like, you know, that, that works for a lot of guys, but you know, some guys that's not how they tick and operate. And he knows Fulkerson way better than I do, but if you're struggling with your confidence, like he knows he's not playing well. Like, I don't think you have to continually bring that up.
0: Well, and it was kind of weird that Rick, I think it was last Wednesday was like, yeah, COVID's affected, affected us some. And it's like, you know, then why are you calling out Fulkerson, the poor kid, every game when it's obvious he's nowhere physically where he was the previous season? Yeah. And, I mean, Fulkerson's, he's struggled with injuries most of his career, too. At at some point, maybe, you know, Barnes is like, hey, you know, you just got to toughen up here. But, like, at the same time, you know, you're still playing him 25 minutes a night. <laughs> so I, he's still your best option. Maybe at that point, you need to just try and build up the confidence some.
1: Um, yeah. But, I, I'm with you. I, I think his, his, his it's almost a wash at this point for for his season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're probably too far gone in rebuilding him before it's over. Uh, but but the the lack of development, you know, from the from the five guys you mentioned, but also you know Josiah, he's he's developed like personality wise, right, like glue yeah. and intangibles and all that. But I don't think he's a better basketball player than he was. Um, you know, I don't know that you know, Victor Bailey, I don't know what he was coming in, but, you know, he, he had a whole year last year. Um, and then you've also got Pons. Like, he, he doesn't look that much better to me. And so, um, you know, Vescovi's hurt. But even even earlier on in the season, I don't know that he was that much better than he was. So it's, it's tough because this staff definitely – they got a lot of mileage out of Grant and Admiral and Jordan Bone um, and, and Jordan Bowden and just kind of – you know, quote under the radar, diamond in the rough, you know, type guys. They, they they got a lot of mileage out of developmental, um developing those guys and being a developmental staff and, you know, this is the way we play, this is the culture of the program and all those things. And I, I think that stuff's super important. I just hope it wasn't more about those players than it is about the program itself.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, another thing I think that can be said, like with Josiah uh, he's just a role player like he's a good one, but that's not a guy that's going to ever score 1314 a game for you like he just is what he is. And that's fine. Like that's a valuable scholarship. But I think considering where he came in, I think that there was more more hope he could be uh, right. something different and like, you know he came in as a point guard and we don't really have a point guard and the staff's not letting him be point guard. They're going the opposite way, making him a post player. So, yeah. you know, I think that's a little disappointing. And like I said, we mentioned the the five previous guy. I mean, really, if you think about it, the only one who showed legitimate improvement is probably Kamwa. It's about the only one. And he plays 10 minutes a night. So like, even if he's better, like the highest minutes he played, he played 18 minutes against South Carolina but I mean, he doesn't score like he's got four, six, eight, ten points since February. <laughs> so um, he didn't even play against Georgia. So like, it's not like if he gets twenty minutes a game, it's going to change anything anyway. So,
1: well, I mean, the thing is like we have a lot of we have we have a phenomenal amount of role players, right? Like that's essentially right. what the team is. And even you know, Keon has a very high ceiling and he can do some things offensively. But ultimately, you know, if, if you're a great team, like he's just the ultimate role player, right? Like he's Josiah on steroids.
0: He's Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. So,
1: yeah, right. And so you have Jaden, who's kind of asked to carry the offensive load, but you're not playing a, a style conducive to his talents. I mm. mean, that's kind of what it ultimately boils down to. You got a bunch of, a bunch of role players trying to figure out who's going to score, And then you have the guy capable of scoring not being kind of utilized in a way he can best score.
0: And you're playing small. You're playing pawns at center and and Josiah at the four, but your tempo's 248th in the country. Yeah. So, yeah, small ball's great in theory, but if you don't shoot threes, and again, they're 260th in point distribution on threes, and you don't push the pace, you're 248th in the country, all your advantages of small ball are almost other than spacing really are gone. So that doesn't accomplish anything else for you.
1: Yeah. I. It's tough, man. It's still a borderline top 25. It's still a tournament team. Um, you just hope, I mean, there's only one regular season game is the problem. Mm-hmm. So if you play poorly, you know, they just, it's silly because we're at the end of the season, but they still just need reps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if you play poorly from this point on, you're you're done, right? Like, you yeah. you could be eliminated from the SEC tournament, and then, you know, you're not going to figure things out between that NCAA tournament. So, they just need to get to get things going in the right direction. I, I still, you know, I don't know. The, the ceiling is obviously drastically reduced from, from prior stations that we've had, but, you know, it, it still may be a second weekend team. I mean, well, they they did blow yeah. the doors off Kansas not too long ago.
0: Right, and that's the thing, like – you know, we were talking all these negatives and trust me, there's a lot, but, um, (laughs) you know, if you win the SEC tournament and make the sweet 16, nobody cares that you lost February 27th to Auburn by five points. Right. So like, you know, I know that 2010 team that did, they didn't have the prettiest regular season either, but nobody cares. Right. They made the elite eight. So yeah, you know, you can definitely, you know, salvage it. I just, it just continued. Like I was hoping like after South Carolina, they might've turned a corner, even though that's not a good team, but it, watching, it it felt like the Kentucky game, like you could just be like, yeah, this is, this is just not going to be the year.
1: Yeah. It's the SEC is pretty wide open. Um, I I think there's more good teams than usual, but there's no dominant team. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's, I I think the tournament's going to be fun. I, I do, you know, as poorly as as Tennessee's playing, I do think they still have a shot in, in any of those games individually. Um, although it's tough to see them string good performances back to back, but um, yeah, I, for me, you know, I, I have no grand illusions of anything past the Sweet 16.
0: I, I would be shocked at this point if they if they get to the second weekend of the tournament. I, I would be incredibly surprised. I'm not saying it's impossible. I I just would need to see something first that would totally change my view of that. And, and they still yeah. can. They got Florida. That would be a good win. That's a top-30 Ken Palm team. And, I mean, the SEC tournament, I nobody – I mean, Alabama and Arkansas are really good, but Tennessee's beating Arkansas. And when they lost to Alabama, they didn't have Jaden Springer. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe they can change it around, turn it around, I mean.
1: Right, and I feel like Alabama shot like 80% from three.
0: Um, I mean, since it's in front of me here, it, it did feel like that. Uh, they were only 10 of 20, so I guess you're kind of right, so –
1: <laughs> it was – they had, it was I think it was one stretch, um, either closing the first half or opening the second half. I don't know, but – Well, yeah,
0: I they... know 15-year senior John Petty had a good game, so <laughs> – Right. Um, when does he not against Tennessee? Yeah, that's fair. So, all right. So, I think we're good with the basketball talk there. Um, hopefully, um, you know, I think after the SEC tournament we can do a preview or maybe if Tennessee wins, maybe we can sneak in a, a postseason – preview or something like that but we'll we'll get to that there um, hopefully they can turn it around we'll see how it goes Sunday against Florida so football coaching staff's been hired like I said there wasn't much in recruiting that was really different I know the big news was Dylan Brooks you know left which was not not unsurprising and Heupel did the right thing letting him out of his uh, his co- his scholarship um, that's always the right thing to do so that was good to see from from Heupel's Point there um but really nothing really in recruiting part of the reason it took us so long to get this is we were literally waiting for the staff to get hired um and we thought maybe at some point with the defensive coordinator we would never see one I was I was getting ready (laughs) to offer to you and me to be co-defensive coordinators at like a hundred thousand dollars at that point um (laughs) with with how it was going but they did get in place here I, I think um I'll kind of go to go to you first here just with an overall general question. What do you think of the staff? I know there's still one more guy that's probably going to be like special teams, most likely maybe like an assistant defensive back coach or something like that. But, uh, what did you think of the staff overall so far?
1: Right. So when, when Heupel was hired, you know, we, we figured it'd be a lot, a lot of UCF guys offensively and the Tennessee resources to get a better defensive staff. But i' I'm still shocked at how long it took, man. And there were so many names connected to it. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I, I am I it, again, still shocked it took so long, but quite pleasantly surprised at where things landed, especially the defensive staff. I think the offensive, you know, the offensive guys kind of speak for themselves and the success that they've had um, and the continuity that they've had together. Um, but I, I, overall, the defensive staff, I'm, I'm pleased. Um, I, I know a lot of people are going to hate Willie Martinez, and you know it is what it is. But um, overall, I, I do think it's a good defensive staff. And so um, it may have taken several different roads to get here. But as far as what Heupel and, and you know, crew have been able to put together at this point, um, I, I think it's a positive, man. An- another recruit that we let out of their LOI was Cody Brown, their running mm-hmm. back. Because uh, because we can't keep any running backs.
0: Nope. <laughs> um, he yeah, didn't, I, he didn't
1: go to Oklahoma though. So
0: yeah, I mean, it, that's a good point. I forgot about him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess since you brought up defense first, you know, we'll go with the big hire. Of course, you know, Matt House was mentioned, former Kansas, uh Kentucky defensive coordinator and and linebackers coach for the Chief. He was mentioned for like one week, then a week went away, and then he was mentioned again for a couple days. Um, Al Washington was basically thought to have been hired and then allegedly ohio state upped their offer to him and he he went back there uh which would have been an interesting hire and then uh jimmy got duked into the blake barker name that was fun um (laughs) so danny could find the leak as we mentioned that was that was good but ultimately landed on tim Banks. so what did you think of the process and then two what do you think of banks overall as the hire
1: so for me, I guess the, the way it kind of drug out is just funny being a Tennessee fan. You're like, oh, no, we're just, we're just waiting for the Super Bowl to end and it'll be house, right? right. Like it's, that's kind of the stall. And then, you know, we're back and forth with Washington at Ohio State. And, you know, like the, the athletic director, you know, reached out personally to, you know, to kind of let him know how, how much he was wanted to stay and all that. Um, I do find it hilarious that Himes was, was kind of dumped on uh, and I, I do find, you know, most everything Danny White does to be funny at this point. <laughs> Hopefully he continues to to back me up on that belief. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I don't I, – I don't love the process the way that it kind of took forever. Um, but, again, you know, it, it wasn't the same fever pitch as a head coaching search. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think it was – you know, like a laughing stock or any national media jokes or whatever else. i I don't think it put the program in a poor spotlight. Um, it's not like henry or or Crouch transferred in the process. Like I, I don't think it set us back in any way. Um, maybe we didn't get our our first or second choice. But I do think Tim Banks is, you know, a, a, a good candidate, right? like he's he's had experience as a defensive coordinator. He's had experience at big time program, you know, such as Penn State. Um, mm-hmm. he runs a, a four two, five, which is pretty common, but also imperative for, for stopping spread offenses. So, um, he also, you know, is, is kind of, uh, he, he's a safeties coach is kind of his area of specialty. And so it, it allowed him to, to kind of fit with Rodney Garner, uh, who was already on staff. You know, we, we didn't bring in a, a defensive line guru or whatever, although I think Rodney Garner would have stayed either way, but it, it's it, it, it's a good hire in my eyes. Um, it, it's not the best hire we could have made. It's it's not our number one candidate, you know, by the fact that it took, you know, it felt like three months. Uh, but I, I do like Tim Banks as a coach. Uh, I do like his resume. Uh, and I do think he'll, he'll be a good fit.
0: Yeah. Um, the defense was actually pretty, pretty solid this year. Um, you know, Penn State didn't have a great season overall. And with COVID, we know, you know, makes a difference. But like, did a good job stopping teams on third and fourth down. They lobbed a lot of red zone scoring, which can vary year to year. Um, you know, and I'm just looking at last year's numbers, right? But, like, you know, points you know, points per play was 71st, which that's not great. But they stopped the run really well. Um, he doesn't – they don't – they're not – Penn State was never a big turnover team, which I thought Heupel maybe would kind of go for a guy more like that. Um and, and a blitzing guy, too, because I know they run a 4 5 and they normally like to get pressure up front with just the four guys at Penn State. But you look at Banks, you know, A, he was a co-defensive coordinator, so potentially maybe he didn't get to insert everything he wanted. And then, B, he's put a lot of good – you know, overall he's put guys in the pros for a good portion of, of his career. Um, he's been a defensive coordinator for over a decade in college football. Uh, he seems to be a pretty solid recruiter. Uh, I don't find that to be as important with coordinators, but you know, it's always nice to have a good recruiter on staff uh, always. And, you know, I think overall there you, you look and you pair him with Rodney Gardner and Brian Jean Marie who are both very highly respected coaches, uh, not just recruiters. And, you know, I'm not excited about Willie Martinez, but I actually think he's fine as a defensive back coach so I think you put a solid staff around him, and like I said, you still have a spot for one more. Maybe you can go get another really good recruiter, or you could go the opposite way and get a really just solid position coach. I, I think overall, this isn't the worst hire that ever could be made. He's not Sal Sanceri.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's one thing that kind of resonates throughout the staff is is experience. Mm-hmm. Um you know, especially on the defensive side, all those guys are super experienced. But even in all the different position coaches, you have you know guys who have been associate head coaches, assistant head coaches. You've had, I mean, Jerry Mack, who's been an actual head coach, um, and then you've also had guys who have served a bunch of different stints as recruiting coordinators. So um, it's not like anybody's growing up on the job. Um, it could be you know the Tennessee's the biggest program that they've been at, but they have the resume to kind of back up. Um, where they've been and and what they're doing, uh, and then as far as banks specifically, um, you know, not being a kind of a, a turnover magnet, um, you know, I think that you know it, to the extent it, it matters and is taught, like I, it falls more to the position coaches. You know, I think uh, Jean Marie has you know a kind of a, a a lot of turnovers in the places that he's been in the past, and then same for Willie Martinez. Again, I know. Not the most popular guy, but his defensive backs intercept passes. Um, and and you know it, it. It the interesting thing to me. And, and you mentioned this was was Banks hasn't been a part of a team that's been big on blitzing. They they've been more kind of get pressure with your down four and try to cover things on the back end. Um, you know, I, I, obviously that's great. Like uh, the Bucks just won the Super Bowl doing that. Any team who can who can get pressure with four mm-hmm. is going to be successful that's uh, just a lot easier said than done and I don't know that we have those horses right now um, although we do I, I think have a couple of young playmakers on the edge uh, but but what worries me and you know this we're a long ways off from from talking about rosters and whatever else but um it, if you're trying to get pressure with your four if you're not blitzing linebackers and you're covering with linebackers and our linebackers can't cover
0: <laughs> yeah and I would say you know at that point you know, you're 100% right. You know, they can't really cover, but, you know, maybe we can recruit to that. I'm not – I don't have high hopes for the 2021 season anyway, to to be quite frank. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, if you if you look at the numbers and everything, overall Penn State normally had a pretty good defense since he's been there. Um, I know he's been associated with Butch Jones, and that freaks people out and makes them worry. I, I totally get that, trust me. But I think overall, you're looking at a guy who who most people um, are who most people thought nationally was a solid hire. I and it could have been worse. You know, would I have liked to see what Al Washington could have done? Sure, but he's never really been a defensive coordinator. I'd rather hire the 10 year bet, to be honest. Um, I would have loved Matt yeah. House, but I don't know. That's that's probably Mark Stoops' defense just as much as his, right? So, I think overall, you know, you get a, I'd say pretty decent hire. Like, and, and to be honest. At this point, you know, I think Hypo's offenses are going to carry the team anyway. Yeah, you want a solid defensive coordinator, but it doesn't have to be the best defensive coordinator in the country because your offense is going to cover some of your deficiencies.
1: Yeah, and here's I, I agree. Hypo's offense is going to have to carry the day. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, I think that's obvious. Uh, and, and, you know, hopefully your defense can just hold serve every once in a while. But, but, you know, Hypole is not going to win low-scoring games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's going to put points up himself, but he's also going to play at such a pace where you're not going to be able to hold teams, you know, to to low scores. Uh, but one of the things that encourages me most about the staff, um, and and obviously this is defensively because he he pretty much brought his his entire offensive staff with him, but he he doesn't have any prior connections to these guys. Like he he went out and hired you know the guys he thought was best for the job. You know, it's no buddy buddy deal you know, like Will will friends not on this staff. Um, (laughs) you know, these are guys that kind of stand on their own merit and honestly, you know, Banks was, was well regarded as, as a hire and and nationally respected. Um, I think the same at, at every single, again, with the exception of maybe Willie Martinez, but I think the same at every single stop as far as the position coaches and and Tim Banks on the defensive side. I mean, these, these were, these were applauded hires.
0: Yeah, it it definitely could have been, you know. I like I said, uh, I I think everyone on the defense has a has a really solid resume. Brian Jean Marie was the recruiting coordinator at Texas, and Charlie Strong brought him a lot of a lot of good classes. Um, you know, he was at Michigan under Harbaugh, so he's got a really really solid resume under him. He's a Charlie Strong guy, and like. I know what we can say about Charlie Strong as a head coach, but, like, usually Charlie Strong knows defense, right? So that's solid. And we know what Gardner is. He's one of the best recruiters in the country. And, I mean, his defensive lines are normally pretty good everywhere he's been. So I think, you know, that's a good coach. And if you don't fully trust Gardner handling defensive line duties, you've still got that 10th spot that you can hire, you know, coach defensive ends or something like that. So I think defensively, like, I'm pretty – pretty happy with where it could have been worse and
1: it could have been worse for sure
0: and I mean I'll be honest you know if you look at last year's staff Ansley's defensive coordinator we know he's oh eh, you know Niedermeyer never coached linebackers before so I mean I mean I I think you can make the case it was a better staff than last year defensively just on paper right
1: has anybody's stock fallen more in a 12-month period than Brian Niedermeyer
0: well, just, he might have to go into stocks because he's probably not coaching anymore <laughs> would be my guess. Um, yeah, that but he be,
1: was like a, a rising star and without having to coach any positions. And now he's probably never coaching college football again. Well, um, I
0: think we, we kind of maybe figured out, unfortunately, he might have been more bag man than, than recruiter yeah. <laughs> at that point. But, right, I mean, I mean, you look at it, you know, and I have to bring it up here, but like, you know, again, you, they had – Ansley, right? Which is fine, I guess. But I mean, Niedermeyer never coached before. You know, I, you know, we saw that, you know, defensive line coach, you know, Tracy Rocker, he's okay. I never was entirely like blown away by him overall. So I I don't think this is a bad coaching staff at all. I I think that there's a lot of promise there. And again, there's no Will Friends here. I mean, Jimmy Broombaugh didn't last a month, right? So, you know, like,
1: I mean, Ur- Urban Meyer was trying to hire, you know, Jean-Marie in, in Jacksonville. Um, so, I mean, he's – you don't have to recruit in the NFL, right? Like, he, he's, he's got some technical chops to his game. Um, so, I I agree. I, on paper, it's probably a better a better staff. And you, you mentioned that one open spot, you know, trying to pick up maybe an ace recruiter type. That could be a defensive line guy. And, and Rodney Garner is essentially just your recruiter.
0: Yeah. It, they can go either way with that. Um, offensively, nobody's really surprised by this. Um, you know, Alex Golish is the offensive coordinator. We know the truth that Josh Hypels the offensive coordinator, right? So, um, yep. broad England Ellerby, Cody Burns. Um, I actually really like Cody Burns. I think he's, he's a really solid hire and we'll kind of get more in depth there. Um, with that I guess they could hire an offensive guy I just I just don't see that to be the case but I think overall it's been a it's a pretty solid offensive uh pretty solid group Joey Halsey, uh, Halsey, excuse me I'll get that right someday um had probably the best presser out of all the coaches like I really liked his style and everything so um kind of like what he said about opening up and you know being aggressive and forcing guys to to do what needs to be done and everything. And, you know, it was nice to kind of hear like he didn't use the word game manager like the last three <laughs> coaches. So I'm going to like definitely take that uh, from him. And then Jerry Mack has pretty good experience overall just as a, as a coach in general. So I thought the offensive staff was pretty solid. Um, Would have loved to keep Jay Graham, you know, but that's that's fine. It is what it is. I, I none of, nobody on this staff was going to be retained with what went down. So, um, I'm pretty happy with what the offensive staff is as well.
1: Yeah, n- nobody was going to be retained, like you no. said. I-, I think you know everybody would love to keep Jay Graham around, but it's just it's just going to be hard to have you know one holdover. <laughs> um, but it, it you know as far as hypo being the offensive coordinator, yeah, I, the, the offensive coordinator doesn't really matter. Whoever gets the designation on the on the staff because hypos calling the plays, and I, I know. A lot of people have issue with that, right They like, talk about like the head coach micromanaging and you know this and that and he needs to let his coaches coach and all that kind of stuff. but you know to me like I, we talked about this last year like it infuriated me that Pruitt allegedly was not calling the defensive plays mm-hmm. like if you if you make it to head coach, there's a 90 some odd percent chance you were a coordinator first, right and you've got to be a head coach because you were a successful coordinator. like if Josh Hypel, you call plays. You're one of the what five best play callers in the country, and so now that you're a head coach, you shouldn't call plays anymore. You shouldn't micromanage your offensive coordinator. You should let him call plays. I don't. What sense does that make, right? Like Lane Kiffin shouldn't call plays. You know, like right. you think Lincoln Riley's calling plays. You know what I mean? Like Nick Saban called defensive plays maybe still now, but for you know, 10, 15 years. So it, it's it's one of those things where. Like, you're one of the best in the world at what you do, and you should stop doing it because you become a head coach because it's considered micromanaging. I just, I, I think that take is, you know, very counterintuitive. Um, and that's another reason why I'm so happy he hired the defensive coordinator that he doesn't really have any ties to, right? Because I want him calling plays. He's the head coach, yes. He's Tim Banks' boss, yes. But I want him totally immersed in offense and game management. Like, right? I want Tim Banks over the defense, and so, you know, for me, I, I am a thousand percent fine. And I even think Hypel should call plays and should continue to call plays, you know, forever. Um, but moving on to the rest of the offensive staff. Um, yeah, I mean, Cody Burns is a guy with SEC ties, um, kind of an up and coming coach. I, all of these guys have kind of taken positive steps, you know, as coaches. You know, there's not like you know, been fired or retread or anything else. Uh, Jerry Mack may be a, a lone ex- exception, but again, he, he wasn't fired. He's just has a long resume. He's been a head coach. Um, but he's a Memphis guy. He has great Memphis connections. Um, and and getting him as a running back coach I think is a big win because I, I think I think he's I, I think he's an underrated member to this staff. I, I think mm-hmm. he'll be a good recruiter. Um, and he is, you know, quote from the outside. Um, as it relates to the offense that these guys run, uh, but he can also add fresh perspective. Uh, and so I, I think I think it makes sense for Heupel to call plays. I think it makes sense for him to keep the guys that he had and is comfortable with intact. Um, and and I, I I I think this is, I think, I think it could be a better recruiting staff. But I, I do think it's a well-rounded staff in terms of it's going to have the ability to recruit, but it's also you know they're going to coach. Uh, And they're going to coach well, and I think they're going to develop guys. I I think they're going to, you know, put guys in places to be successful, um, and and really kind of play to the strengths of the team.
0: And what did we say when we were looking at the coaching that? You know, recruiting probably doesn't matter as much because of what potentially could happen. We're going we're gonna to need development coaches. We're going to be need coaches who can improve guys no matter who comes on campus, which the last three staffs haven't been able to do, right? So that's going to be the important thing anyway. To me, the key is Glenn Ellerby. I think this offensive line can be really good next year. I still think the talent's there. Carvin, the Mays brothers, Darnell Wright's still in – in play um, Spriggins is getting A lot of love uh, Brandon Kennedy Technically could come back For a seventh year If he wants um, I don't know If that's been announced Yet or not But either way Like The offensive line Has got some potential Even with Wayne and Jameer Johnson Leaving Like if he can get The best out of these guys Then You've got a chance To do something Because Heupel's offense Is going to be good They're going to throw it around The wide receivers Are going to be good He's just going to have To be able to keep the quarterback up And if he can do that LRB, If he can develop these guys Because we haven't had A good offensive line coach Since Sam freaking Pittman Then I think there's a chance Tennessee can can have A really good offense next year
1: I like Um I, I really like that He's been with Hypo For close to a decade uh, And I'm, I'm with you I, I think I think the whole offensive Side of the ball Will be fine But I, I do think There's some talent Left in the cupboard For the offensive line You've said many times on this podcast, that we are not in the business of breaking news, but I am going to call you out on that. <laughs> Tennessee has zeroed in on the final member of their coaching staff.
0: Oh, right. Who is it? I, I haven't looked yet.
1: Mike Eckler.
0: Okay. Mike Eckler. Just going to be straight. He on
1: this. is the North Texas special teams coordinator. Okay. He's expected to obviously be special teams coordinator and fill in on the defensive side. He has past SEC experience with LSU in Georgia, and he was a grad assistant with Heiple at Oklahoma in 2004.
0: Okay, cool. All right, that sounds like a good hire. I mean, I'll be honest, not too familiar with 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 Mike Eckel. You said correct?
1: Mike Eckler, Eckler, like Austin. Okay, gotcha. The the Chargers running back. Yes.
0: Okay, so I'm not too familiar with him, but it sounds like that's the tenth guy. All right, cool. Um. Special teams are important. Sometimes I get overlooked. I'm kind of glad they hired a full-time special teams guy anyway. Um, Because, you know, you don't care about good special teams until you don't have good special teams.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So he's also special teams coordinator. He was defensive coordinator prior to being special teams coordinator. This is interesting. We're going to have to – I may just have to Google him and read more about this, but he's been a he's been a defensive coordinator. He has been a special teams coordinator. He was linebackers coach at North Carolina for two seasons, um, also. So, okay. so he
0: could uh, has be, has some
1: a pretty lengthy defensive experience.
0: So he, we could potentially see him maybe outside linebackers coach slash special teams coach, focus on special teams or something like that. So. Okay. And from Texas. So hopefully he can maybe pull in a couple kids from there. It's always good to get Texas kids. So yeah, that's, I'm good with that. I mean, that 10th guy, like, you know, that's a luxury, I think. So, you know, not too overly concerned about whether he's going to make it or not. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm good with that hire. And I, I actually just, I just trust typos. So, you know, maybe I'm a dummy, but out of the three previous coaches we've hired, he's the best one I have felt like since Kiffin, um, to be quite honest. So I, yeah. I I trust him at this point.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with one more Eckler nugget and then I'll mm-hmm. move on. But um so he's coached under Bob Stoops and Les Miles and Bo Pelini.
0: That's, I was, he he had me until Pellini, but that's, that's still pretty good. (laughs) That's a pretty good resume there actually. So
1: Bo's a defensive guy, right? Like I take or leave the success he had as a head coach, but he he was a decent defensive coordinator.
0: I would watch a Bo Pellini documentary actually. So (laughs) that that does, he's, he's, he's he's an interesting one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. as, As far as trusting Heupel and, and really, I mean, I, I I like Typo to hire because you know I, I want to have an exciting offense, right? That's like the one thing we've talked about. Is
0: you know if you're going to lose,
1: at least entertain me. Right. Um, I'd, I'd rather you not lose, but let's let's be entertaining, please. Um, but with the whole staff uh, and and then the way it's kind of filled out, like I really think, you know, we're not going to be good in 2021, right? Like call a spade a spade. But I really think that these guys can coach. I think they're going to develop. And eventually, the recruiting is going to catch up to that. I just hope that you know they get the runway from the fan base because I think Danny White's committed to them. But I, I hope the fan base gives them the runway to kind of build something that that'll be sustainably sustainably su- successful um, versus kind of flashing the pan.
0: Oh, well, let's take a look at this here, you know, real quick. Like Pruitt hired a lot of names, right? Like a lot of names with a lot of resumes. But if you don't have a coach that's that builds chemistry among the staff in football, it doesn't work. I mean, Dabo, other than Brent Venables, really hasn't hired a big name um, in terms of his coaching. But he knows what exactly he wants, and he can rally a staff as good as anyone. And if you can do that, then you're on the right track. Sometimes it's about fit just as much as it it's about coaches. A lot, of, a lot of people can coach well and recruit well, but happiness is a factor knowing the, the what the program needs and what your head coach wants is a factor and the fact that hypo yeah his offensive staffs basically all his guys um and I think that's important but it does seem like he he put in cohesion here and he he does seem like a guy who, who really cares about those things to make sure everything's working properly
1: well, that's a great point uh I mean no one's ever gonna feel bad for these guys because they make a nice living but it' just I can't imagine that's a very fun job man they work you know, like twenty hours a day and it's year round with the recruiting. Mm-hmm. Like it's not NFL coaches where, you know, they're grinding through the season and then they have a whole off season. Like, you know, this is this is, you know, pretty close to 360 day a year job. Um, and it's all hours of the night um, you know, watching film and and recruiting guys and trying to install what they want to do. And, you know, it's 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 a lot, man. And 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 you gotta like the guys that you're working with and you gotta be on the same page. Uh, with them to to kind of reach maximum effectiveness, and so I, I do think that's really important, you know, chemistry wise for the staff, but also it's important to to kind of bake that into the players as well, and that's why I, I've really enjoyed seeing you know the cheesy videos on Twitter where the you know they're playing dodgeball and you know they got the the you know the games rigged up where they're pouring the water of you know the the buckets of water with the you know the the two by fours and stuff like that like. You know that, that that's kind of stuff that it's easy to kind of laugh off and roll your eyes and whatever else. But you know it's it's important to get those guys spending time together. You know, doing something besides you know working hard, mm-hmm. uh, lifting weights, running sprints. You know, all that kind of stuff that can get really monotonous. Uh, and so I I, I, I like that. Um, I imagine they're doing similar things with the coaches. Um, and so like you said, you know, it's it's just kind of really boosting. Um, chemistry and morale and I I think those things are important you know whether they did those things in the past I don't know maybe they did and it just wasn't on social media and we didn't know about it but I I do think those cheesy kind of thing that they can be overdone um but I I don't think you know that they don't have enough time to to get all those things done and and still you know install everything they need to install and play football so I don't think they're going to push it to the to the you know range of overkill but I do think those things are important
0: well and I'm not going to Go crazy on the how bad I feel for college players stuff, even though I do side with players. Um, it, this has not been an easy six months for these guys, right? They basically had the quarantine all all year since June, getting ready for the season. Um, they lose their coach really late in the year. Um, you know, the athletic director's gone. You know, it's been kind of a crazy ride. I think – Building their, the players' trust and building chemistry is important. And I think that's the players do need to have fun. I think you're right. I think they, you know, yeah, sure, they're, they're team-sponsored videos, right? But it's nice seeing guys lift each other up and have fun and crack up a little bit in the, in the weight room, knowing everything they've gone through. That's, that's important stuff. You know, this has not been easy on them. And, you know, Hypel needs to win those guys over too because he's going to be coaching them. And, you know, the more team cohesion and chemistry you have, that's, that's the better.
1: For sure. It's also good, you know, again, these are like two minute heavily curated videos, but seeing Alante Taylor take on some, some pretty obvious leadership is also nice.
0: Right. You know, so when we talked about the basketball team, we're not seeing any leadership right now. It's important that you find out who your leaders are so you can prepare for the fall. I agree completely. So, yep. all right. I think we got everything covered under 90 minutes. Unbelievable. Great work by us here today. <laughs> um Did you have any final thoughts on whether football or basketball for Tennessee here?
1: No, man. I, I you know, I've, I've we've kind of talked about it and I've made my point, but I, I still just want to reiterate, like I, I'm pleasantly surprised with how the staff turned out. I honestly, you know, would I have rather hired Lane Kiffin or you know shot for the moon and all that other stuff? Sure, absolutely, but you know it, it could have been a heck of a lot worse. And I, I really like the way full staff wise it's rounded out.
0: Especially when you consider that this is that they have pending sanctions too. I didn't even think about that part of it. Um, <laughs> you know when you think about the investigation, the fact that they could get a veteran like Tim Banks and bring in Rodney Gardner and, and, and bring in the offensive staff that Heupel did. It's actually kind of impressive when you think about it.
1: Yeah. If, if Willie Martinez is the, quote, worst coach on your staff, I think you're doing all right.
0: I think that's a really good point, actually. You know, that that is, you know, a good point. If, if that is, you know, Willie was like probably one of the three best coaches on Butch's staff, and that was not good. <laughs> but if he's your worst, then yeah, that's there's nothing wrong with that. So, all right. I think we're all good to go. Um, I think we should probably prepare for something next week, um, either after the SEC tournament or before. We'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but we'll also, just because we love baseball, baseball is our sport, uh, we are going to do – what we did um, two years ago, um, we're gonna do MLB over unders, which I can't remember if we did we didn't do last year because of COVID, but we're gonna do MLB yeah. over unders for 2021 American League and National League. I know some people who listen to this podcast probably will skip that. That's fine. That's literally just <laughs> for us, and so I can spend a whole weekend just looking over baseball teams.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, shout out Vols baseball team putting some runs on the board. Yeah,
0: I, they had a, a it was ugly Saturday. It you know pissed me off because you know you watch Tennessee basketball beat get beat by Auburn at noon and then Tennessee lost both games that double header and it's like yeah. yeah this sounds about right and I think the Lady Vols lost on Sunday but yeah they're looking good I'm gonna try if the weather's better to get over to uh Lindsay Nelson maybe next week um I think that might be my, be the goal since I live there um it'll be like the first like official non-like restaurant thing I've done since <laughs> since COVID so I might get out there and, and go enjoy them when I can but yeah they, they'll look good and You know, I'll be honest, like, it's kind of nice. I don't know a ton of, like, the players and stuff like that, but it's just nice to have, like, baseball on and be like, oh, cool, like, double. Who hit that? Like, you know, instead of, like, looking over every single thing or be like, oh, you know, why is this happening or whatnot? It's kind of nice to have, like, a low-key team you can cheer for and not, like, go super in-depth on. So, For sure. So,
1: I do want to set the record straight. Lady Vols beat Auburn by 30 Sunday.
0: Okay, okay. Maybe it was early they lost. I know they had a bad loss recently. I, I don't yeah. don't pay t- pay attention too much. And I can't remember if we did or not, if it's been that long, but your Bucks did win the Super Bowl, so again, congrats on that. Um how much how much money have you spent on championship gear so far?
1: I have not found the right item yet. <laughs> I I so yeah. I almost bought a <laughs> I love that the Bucs are totally capitalizing on Tom Brady, but there was a, a Tampa Bay color scheme goat shirt um, that I almost bought. But I was like, man, I can't rock a Brady goat shirt in <laughs> Bucs colors.
0: It actually has been a month. So, yeah, we haven't talked about your Bucs. So, um, I lost a lot of money. Let's <laughs> just betting against yeah. your Bucs. And I know you made a lot of money. So,
1: yeah, I tried to tell
0: you you did and i didn't and i was a fool and didn't listen but congrats to your team uh, winning a super bowl i've never really got to experience one of my actual favorite teams winning a championship like the red wings won in 08 but i didn't watch hockey and the pistons won in 04 but i wasn't like you know i was only like 12 so i'm i'm waiting for that and i literally can't wait till it happens so um, i know that's two football that's two super bowls for you so that's that's pretty cool
1: it is. The sad thing is, is I none of my other teams won anything in between. So I'm back to back Bucks trophies.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I'm a Lions fan, so <laughs> I mean, you, if I would cherish those two, just cherish them. So for sure. All right, thanks guys for listening. We appreciate it as always. We'll get something up next week, and like I said, look for our MLB over unders uh, as always. Y'all take care and go Vols.